1: Good evening, this is Brian Rodriguez with High School Movie News. Not sure why this segment has been kept on the shelf for weeks, but here we are in the final episode of 2020 to bring you some important and vital statistics from my John King CNN style magic screen, which I now realize you can't see because this is a podcast which is all audio, but that's okay, I'll try my best to explain. 33 teen movies that debuted were watched for this year-end wrap-up show. We covered 8 during the year in long form, and watched 25, yes 25, in the last week. All for you slumberers. My eyes really hurt, I have a chronic migraine, but whatever. I just wanted to start by correcting some items from last week, such as calling Yes God, Yes Star, Natalia Dyer, Natalie Dyer. Natalia, we apologize. Also, Gavin O'Connor directed The Way Back. Apologies to Gavin as well. Speaking of directors, of the 33 films, 10 were directed by women, which is great and certainly an improvement over previous years, but still not near anything to pat our back over. At least not yet. Only one director appeared twice on our list. That was Brett Haley, who directed both All the Bright Places and All Together Now, making Brett Haley by far the most productive person of 2020. I shouldn't say that, as many actors appeared in more than one film we watched, such as Charlie Plummer in Spontaneous and Words on the Bathroom Walls, Sabrina Carpenter from Work It and Clouds, Vince Vaughn in Freaky and the Binge, and of course, Giancarlo Esposito in Stargirl and Unpregnant. But of course, all those people likely didn't do all their work in 2020. Some of it was definitely done in 2019 or even earlier, but having anything to show for in 2020 is quite an accomplishment. In regards to the subject matter, 2020 was quite the morbid year on so many levels, which as mentioned last time, was strangely reflective in its films. 12 films featured a dead teen, whether it be on or off screen. 17 films featured a dead parent on or off screen six of them featured both that leaves just 10 films that didn't include a dead parent or a dead teen but of those one featured a parent who ran out on its family two were about abortion one alluded to an early childhood death one featured an evil mother we all wish was dead but ended up with an even worse fate no spoilers so yeah you get the picture even before 2020 people were thinking like 2020 in terms of how teen movies were received in 2020, the average Rotten Tomato score was 74, which means a lot more good movies were made this year than bad movies. The audience score was 11 points less at 63. However, that was likely influenced by some political biases. Did I mention two films were about abortion? Unpregnant had an 89% critical score compared to a 20% audience score, and Never Rarely Sometimes Always had a 99% critical score compared to a 20% audience score. You fill in the gaps. Speaking of 99%, Never Rarely Sometimes Always had the highest critical score of the year on Rotten Tomatoes, followed by the half of it at 97%. Yes, God, Yes, and Boy State were after that at 94%. The lowest scoring entry being The Binge with 24%. In terms of the audience, Onward led the charge with 95% positive score. Oh, poor Onward. Maybe the movie most affected by the pandemic? That was followed by Words on the Bathroom Walls at 94% and Boys State at 92%. The lowest scoring entry, according to the audience, was American Pie Girls Rule at just 12%. Yuck. (laughs) Though <laughs> so I thought we should check in with the film snobs at Letterboxd as well, because why not? They know everything about films, right? The average score was right down the middle this year at a solid 3. Remember, Letterboxd does 0 to 5 stars it's the 5 star scale, so solid 3, just over the middle. The highest scorers being Boy State and Another Round with solid 4s, and the lowest scorers being American Pie Girls Rules with 1.9, and The Kissing Booth 2 with 1.7. 2020, of course, really ushered in the streaming revolution, and almost every service got in on the teen movie game. Twelve of the 33 movies were streamed from Netflix, with Netflix producing a good amount of them themselves. VOD came second with eight films, and apologies, Joey, the Cage Club Podcast Network credit card might be carrying a balance through 2021. Next was Hulu with four, Disney Plus and Amazon had three, HBO Max had two, and Apple TV had won. I think that's all the stats you can handle for now. Appreciate everything you guys have done to support this show in 2020. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and Happy New Year. This has been Brian Rodriguez from the High School Movie News Desk. God, I love that song. Welcome back to our 2020 teen film review. This is part two. I, of course, am your host, Brian Rodriguez, and this is High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the slumber party is still at my place this New Year's evening. No homework today except to listen to part one of High School Slumber Party's 2020 film review. Well, I guess the always homework, right? Which is hit that subscribe button, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. And while you're there, give us a review, give us a five-star rating if you can. And of course, the best way you can help High School Slumber Party is by telling a friend about all the great things we do here on a weekly basis and a bi-weekly basis. This week, a tri-weekly basis. And literally, as recording this part, Joey Lewandowski, the godfather himself of the Cage Club Podcast Network, has informed me that it is not a good idea to release episodes back-to-back. Obviously, I had an episode planned for tomorrow. A QA, and a a Twilight Q&A with Kate Hudson. More on that later. But now I'm not sure when that one's coming out. I'm hoping tomorrow I need to create some space between these two episodes. Give me some time to think about it. It'll be on your feed. Don't worry. But speaking of the Cage Club Podcast Network, as we're getting ahead of ourselves, you can listen to our archive on the Cage Club Podcast Network. That's cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. You'll find all the old shows there, including some of the movies we're going to talk about today. We did cover some in 2020, but... As mentioned in the High School Movie News segment, most we had to watch this week. It's been stressful. It's been fun. It's been a lot of things. I am tired, but I'm ready to go, and I'm ready to usher in 2021 after the year that 2020 has been. But it's been a fun year in high school slumber party right we've talked a lot of good movies we've had some good times looking forward to an even better 2021 i remember guys we're going just weekly at least for the beginning of 2021 maybe in perpetuity who knows so we'll just be on fridays going forward just a little reminder about that Whew. 2020 the more of these movies i watched the more i was like wow 2020 robbed, among other things, and I know it's a lot worse things than this, but 2020 robbed a lot of great artists from, I don't know, I feel like a lot of people seeing their performances and a lot of people just getting to know their films and their movies making profit. Now, look, the argument could be that they were all VOD or on Netflix or on some kind of streaming service, so more people should have watched them. But at the same time, I feel like they got less exposure that way just because... I don't know, there wasn't like really commercials for a lot of them, and maybe there were, who knows, I don't really watch a lot of cable, but there weren't like ways to distinguish them, right? They just got clouded with all the other stuff on streaming services. And remember, 2020 movies on streaming services, yes, they have to compete with the other 2020 movies, but they have to compete with movies from 2019, 2017, 1950, 1987, 2001, 1992, you get it. Everything they have to compete with, everything. Before it was like, oh, new movies and old movies. And I'm not complaining about the system because I think streaming movies are the future and I'm all for it. I feel bad for the movie theater companies, but also you shouldn't have to risk your life in this pandemic. I totally, totally, totally get it. But on the other hand, I don't know. I really, really wanted to do this show and watch all these movies, so I could kind of serve as a little bit of a, I don't know, a guiding light, if you will, for you to watch some of these things. That's why I'm not going to give my deep dive reviews, that's why I'm going to try not to give spoilers as well. I'm going to try to more, you know, like I said last week, to kind of steal something from the Foodie Films Man, I'm going to try to just provide a menu for you, so you could be like, oh, I might want to watch that film, or mm Brian, I know you said it was good, but that film doesn't really sound like it's for me because I want you to watch these films. They need to keep making teen films so that I can do this forever for no money because I love it. (laughs) No, but seriously, they need to keep making teen films, and this is the way. I hope 2020 doesn't discourage anyone, and I'm looking forward to even more teen films in 2021. Definitely want to bring this back next year, but that's a year away, and we have 17 more films to talk about today to bring our total to 33 and i am so excited so let's start off with a film that we talked about early in pandemic with the aforementioned foodie films man himself it was a hulu film big time adolescence this is dope this one yeah
0: yeah it sort of just looks like a bunch of
1: scribbles and dicks and when you get older you realize that's kind of all life is it's just a bunch of scribbles and dicks and violence i want to avoid
0: Zeke was my sister's ex-boyfriend He was the man You gotta jerk off before you go fuck a girl I jerked off before I picked you up So i would always be prepared I don't know where the fuck we're going tonight And he made me feel like the man
1: Fuck yeah, mo. we got a home run right, Who's gonna drink it? Hold on, what's in that? Whiskey, beer, cough syrup, and Xanny bar Oh damn oh. <laughs> That's
0: my dude You meet some punk, and you have no
1: idea at the time that he's going to be parked in front of your house every day for the rest of your goddamn life. Big time adolescence. Again, as mentioned, we talked about it earlier in the year in long form, so check that episode out at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. And this was a Pete Davidson vehicle. They said that someone who was supposed to have their breakout in 2020 and it might not happen would be Pete Davidson. But I disagree. Both this movie and Staten Island got pretty good critical scores and ratings and people were talking about it. Big Time Adolescence did 85% by the critics by Rotten Tomatoes, 83% by the audience. I really, really enjoyed this movie. Arguably, and I think this is a hot take, I'm not sure, I thought it was better than Staten Island, I enjoyed it more than Staten Island, and basically Pete Davidson plays this guy, Zeke, who is not in high school, but he might as well be because he's that immature, and he befriends his ex, how can I put this, his ex girlfriend's little brother and they become best buds and as the little brother grows up and he's in high school zeke doesn't become the best role model the movie's funny the movie's great the movie is definitely one you want to check out and this was on hulu by the way the director was jason orley and again i really loved it i thought it was a good script I thought the cast was excellent machine gun kelly was in it he was good definitely check out big time adolescence i give it my thumbs up if you will And yeah, I don't think people's worst fears about Pete Davidson – well, let's be honest, those are probably not people's worst fears about Pete Davidson – (laughs) but I don't think what people thought would ruin the career of Pete Davidson, like him putting this best foot forward with these movies – and them getting ignored on streaming. Like, that didn't happen. Both these movies were watched. Both these movies were talked about. He had a Netflix special that was talked about. I think 2020 ended up being a huge year for Pete Davidson. So good for him. And once again, check out Big Time Adolescence. Our next movie was, I, I guess, another movie that could be considered like as crude and as in-your-face as Big Time Adolescence. It was another Hulu-released movie as well. And the premise was, well, you'll hear it in a second. The film is The Binge. Good morning, American High. America, a few years
0: from now, prosperous, clean, and sober. Except one night a year, when all drugs and alcohol are legal. For you seniors, you will be able to participate in your first binge. Let's say your name's Kimberly Jones, and let's say you binged on a jet ski, which exploded into flames. She's here tonight. Can you guys guess which one she is? I'll give you a hint. You're cold, getting warmer, getting warmer, red hot. Burning hot. She's the one who looks like a mummy. Mm. So, has I gonna binge? After your dad's speech? been seriously thinking about it. Me too, by the way. This is our last chance to make a great memory. Seven, six! Tonight, we become legends. Five.
1: Okay, as you can imagine, a movie that's kind of like The Purge. Yeah, right, like The Purge. Sorry, I'm not a horror guy. But instead of, like, being able to basically kill people and do whatever you want for 24 hours, 24 hours out of the year, you get to do any drug and alcohol you want, basically. Kind of like what the Amish do, but once a year. Now, in the movie, they explain how society's so much better. Even alcohol is banned in this society, and that this once a year makes society better. It's an interesting, interesting concept. I'm not sure if it would work, but I don't think that's what the movie was about. I, frankly, did not think I was going to enjoy this movie, and the critics (laughs) might have been in my original camp, as this movie got a terrible critical score, as was mentioned in the opening. 24% by the critics, but 83% by the audience. I was like, what? (laughs) <laughs> that's a big distribution. My score is probably somewhere in the middle. And frankly, I'm not a drug guy. I don't really do drugs. This isn't a PSA. You could do whatever you want. Well, you know, within reason. But um, I-, I think it probably appealed more to those people. And those are the people who are probably watching and giving it the high scores. For those of you keeping score at home, 2.4 on Letterbox. So yeah, right smack dab in the middle. And that makes sense to me. I didn't hate it as much as I thought I would have. It was actually fun and really funny. I actually really actually liked the performances in this movie. Well, I can't say actually enough, can I? (laughs) Skyler, Chisando played Griffin. Eduardo Franco, we know him from Booksmart. He played Andrew. Dexter Darden played Hags. And Vince Vaughn. This was a comeback year, at least in teen films, for Vince Vaughn. He played the principal, Principal Carlson. I thought he was great in this. But strangely, and I did not think I would have this criticism, I don't think it went over the top enough. I don't think it was outrageous enough. There was moments where I was like falling asleep then I was bored. And there were moments where it was great. I don't know. It was a little bit uneven. The director was Jeremy Gorelick. He wrote The Hangover. He wrote The Breakup. Those are great written movies in my mind. I think he's like a a partner of Vince Vaughn. Obviously, he's worked with him before on The Breakup and stuff. I'm not sure. I'd like to see him direct something else. I just think this movie, it missed some marks, and I can't really put my finger on it. But again, I liked it a lot more than I thought I would, so what can I really say? So if The Binge is kind of a parody of a horror film, again, The Purge, there were a lot of horror films I actually did watch for this run, and you know originally it wasn't a horror guy, but I've been getting into it more and more. And this was another Hulu film, so let's stick with The Hulu Train. This was called Run. But I am
0: doing what I know is best for you. I know that I've scared you. But I will spend every minute of our lives making sure you never feel that way again. I'm
1: your mom. Scary. So Run features a teenager, a high school student, technically. So she's not in school per se, she's homeschooled, but that counts as high school, right? I wanted to really see that perspective. That's kind of why I definitely wanted to talk about this film. Run is this thriller that uh, stars Sarah Paulson, who we know is great, and a newcomer. Let me see. Her name is Kira Allen, and she plays Chloe, and Chloe is wheelchair-bound. And I was pleasantly surprised to learn that Kira Allen is also wheelchair-bound. I love that they casted someone who is in a wheelchair. I think that's super important. It's so much just better and more authentic and just a better thing to do, let's be honest, than just casting some random person and then making them play a person with a disability. Like That's not right, and I'm glad it's 2020 and we're figuring this stuff out, because Kira Allen is a great actor in her own right, and this was, I think, her first film, and I hope to see her in a lot more things. I thought she was really great. So this was directed by Anish Chiganti. I wasn't familiar with Anish Chiganti, but... Uh, yeah, he seems like he's a good director. So far, so good. He did the film called Searching. I know that did pretty well. I've heard some people talk good things about it, but not a high school film, I don't think, so I didn't watch it. Yeah, so as I mentioned, this film is about a, a teenager who is going to college, and her mother is taking care of her. She homeschools her. She's a single mom, and she's had her since she was a baby, where she was premature. She has a ton of disabilities, but it turns out without saying too many spoilers, that her mother's intentions aren't as we think. She's not really the best mom. She's kind of cray-cray. Hijinks ensue. The film gets super scary, super good. 90% by the critics in Rotten Tomatoes. A lot less by the audience, 76%. I guess it's not for everyone, but I really enjoyed it. If you like thrillers, if you like horror... I, I do suggest watching Run on Hulu. Good job, Hulu. Honestly, you made some really good films. I know the binge wasn't obviously for everyone, and I didn't enjoy it, but with uh, Big Time adolescence and with Run, again, bravo. Well done. Thank you for entering the teen film world, if you will. So I watched a lot of horror films this year, a lot of horror films, and a lot for 2020. Some were horror comedy, some were thrillers, some were gore, some were a combo of all of them. So I thought I would just run through a bunch of horror films in a row. And this next one pleasantly surprised me. It was a film that hit close to home in a good way. And our episode, because we covered it in 2020 in long form, our episode featured two of my cousins, Cousin Pumpkin, who's a high school slumber party favorite, and my other cousin from Dallas, Michael Conrad Tavares. And the film was Vampires versus the Bronx.
0: What's poppin'? Y'all it's Your girl Gloria come in at you live? If you see a kid that's riding a bike two sizes too big for him, that's his little man trying to save the neighborhood. And speaking of saving the neighborhood, what's up with all these missing person flyers? Yo, check out the courthouse. They're turning it into apartments? Y'all know how this starts. Them white people with canvas bags? That's always the first sign. What you doing down here, bro? It's too late to fight back now. We are going to wipe you out
1: like the vermin you are.
0: We got vampires in the Bronx.
1: I got such a kick out of Vampires vs. the Bronx. It was such a fun movie. It hit home for me. One of the first and only teen films that I've ever seen with Dominican characters. I thought that was so cool as me, a Dominican-American. It was good to see that. I live a stone thrones away from the Bronx, so a lot of relatable things. I don't know if someone from Kansas would relate to it, but hopefully. And was it scary? No, but this is one of those kind of horror comedy things action-y kind of things. It was really, really fun. Oz Rodriguez was the director. It was his first feature film, but he's definitely a veteran of TV, so check out the work of Oz Rodriguez going forward. A lot of first-time directors we're going to talk about today. That's for sure. So Vampires vs. the Bronx is essentially Mm -hmm. about... Some kids who live in the Bronx and vampires move into the Bronx. But it's really a gentrification parable as they move into the Bronx and they're gentrifying the neighborhood and they look to wipe out the local population. It's a fun in-your-face criticism of what's actually going on in New York today. Again, definitely check it out. The Rotten Tomato score for Vampires vs. the Bronx was 89% by the critics, 42% by the audience. And I think that audience drop really speaks to, uh, how can I put it, like, again... The Kansas factor, I'll call it. Not to pick on you, Kansas, but I don't think it's relatable to everybody. But for those who it is relatable to, it's pretty awesome. And for those of you keeping score at home, three. It got three stars on Letterboxd, which is pretty good. So good first effort by Oz Rodriguez. Wanted to recognize some of the performers as well Jaden Michael, Gerald W. Jones, the third, Gregory Diaz, the fourth, Sarah Gaddon, the Kid Marrow, Method Man and a cameo from Zoe Zeldana. If you're from New York, check out Vampires vs. the Bronx. So another Netflix film, another horror comedy that we actually talked about this year, this time with the Godfather himself, Joey Lewandowski, was The Babysitter Killer Queen, which was funny because we had a babysitting series over the summer. We talked the original Babysitter on Netflix, and then suddenly they dropped this sequel, so like a couple weeks later we're like, yo, we gotta talk the sequel on the podcast. Growing up, is worse than a near-death experience. I can confidently tell
0: you that. Because two years ago, my babysitter and her friends tried to kill me. The worst part is nobody believes me. And now everybody thinks I'm crazy, but I miss her. You're a weird little dude with a crush on a murderous, fictitious babysitter. We just got to get you laid. That's your advice? That's what the f*** just came out of my mouth, ain't it? You're my best friend. You're not crazy. It's this place. We're all going to the lake this weekend. Just come with me. me. I already took my dad's car. It's just you and me. We're back!
1: So just for the record, Joey and I both loved The Babysitter. I think we both had high expectations for the sequel. The first one was directed by Mick G. of Charlie's Angels fame. He did the second one as well, and it was okay. It had good moments. It was definitely not as good as the original Babysitter. More on the potential reasons why later. But yeah, the main characters are back for the most part. I don't want to spoil too much. The lead is in it, but not in it. You'll find out. But <laughs> Judah Lewis as Cole returns, and this time he's in high school. Last time it was the babysitter and her friends who were in high school. And, you know, he's survived a pretty traumatic experience that no one believes. Emily Allen Lind returns as Cole's childhood friend, and they kind of go away. And guess what? A lot of the characters from the first film who died are resurrected, and they're cult members still, and they're trying to kill him again. And... A lot of fun things happen. The visuals are great. It once again does not hit that mark that the first film did. In fact, Rotten Tomatoes was a little bit more harsher than even I was for it. 48% by the critics on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't think it was that bad. 61% by the audience. Letterbox gave it a 2.6. I guess that's about where I was at, more or less. If you saw The Babysitter, definitely watch it. Killer Queen is a great title for it. It's interesting. It's fun. So definitely check it out, but it wouldn't be high on my list of 2020 films or recommendations. Definitely, definitely it was lacking something that the first one had. But Netflix, keep releasing Babysitter films, and I'm going to keep watching them. We'll just leave it at that. So the interesting fact that I wanted to mention about it is that the writer of the original Babysitter, very, very creative mind, Brian Duffield, wasn't involved with this one. He was listed as like a producer, but I'm not sure, you know, his level of involvement as a producer. He didn't write it. It was written by different people. Mick G, I think, was more involved. And one of the reasons that he didn't write it was that he was directing another movie, his own movie that he wrote called Spontaneous. Hey, Maura.
0: This is the guy. This is Pick Dylan. Ew! You sent
1: her a pick? No, that would be gross. He
0: sent me pictures of Richards. <laughs> That's worse. Can't keep me down any Tell me something, just for me. First time I saw you, Jed tried wrapping his arm around you.
1: <laughs> ow, ow, it was a good
0: first impression. Like a <laughs> over me. Caitlin was cute, airy, hardly a reason to pop like a zip. What happened? Caitlin exploded. What? Like a bomb? No, like a balloon. What? Oh, will I get these back? Do you want these back? When the hell are they going to let us out of here? When they know it's not going to happen again. When what's going to happen again? It happened again a lot.
1: I had a lot of fun with this film. It was actually on VOD, so you can't really stream it on any of the streaming services that you're used to. However... It was only $2.99, which is great compared to some other films I'm going to talk about later. So Spontaneous is a movie that is kind of just like a high school love story, except people in this high school are spontaneously combusting at random moments, so you never know when your last moment is going to be. Yeah. (laughs) But Brian Duffield does an excellent job of kind of matching that tone that you see in The Babysitter. To this, so it's a horror comedy, it's outrageous, there's a lot of blood, but there's a lot of fun as well, and a lot of heart. It's heartbreaking at moments. I thought this movie was really, really good. It's one of my favorite movies of the year. 72% by the audience in Rotten Tomatoes, so not all of you agree, but 98% by the critics. That's great. And this is one that I think about 2020 and I feel bad for, that not more people probably were able to see it because it didn't go on their radar. This is why I'm doing the show. Check it out. It's only $2.99. That's not so bad, honestly. Catherine Langford was the lead. You might recognize her from 13 Reasons Why. She played Hannah Baker. I thought she was really awesome in this. She was a lot of fun. She had this great sarcasm that was so good it also starred charlie Plummer, who we'll talk about later i really like this guy i hope we see him in a lot more things uh piper parabo was in this film which is really really cool haven't seen piper parabo in a while a very attractive lady we'll leave it at that and a good actor as well rob hubel played the dad which i thought was awesome too uh if you don't know his face just google him we'll see him play a dad in a later film as well who am i missing Oh, Haley Law from Riverdale and a bunch of other stuff. I really like her. I thought she was a little old to play the character 28, but she was so good. I'm going to overlook it. Cameron Fryward, maybe, but I really like Haley Law. So, a great cast here, a great premise. The tone was really great and really fun. A weird but realistic ending. I love weird and realistic endings, though, I got to say. So, I definitely, definitely implore you to watch Spontaneous. Again, maybe it's not for everyone, but I really, really enjoyed Spontaneous. We'll leave it at that. I don't want to say too much about the plot because it's really not about the plot. It's about the relations between the characters. It's like relationship-driven and dialogue-driven, and it's beautiful at certain points, believe it or not. (laughs) So Jason Duffield, keep up the good work. I'm loving all your stuff. So another film this year that was a horror film, a horror comedy, lots of blood, but lots of laughs was freaky.
0: Good morning. Good morning. That's me, Millie. Ordinary, boring Millie. I love your dress. I think I saw it at Discount Bonanza. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I was never the most popular. Homecoming's this weekend. Booker is going to be at the dance. And boys never really noticed me. if this was a horror movie, I'd be one of the first ones to get killed. Cue the creepy dude in the mask. Like I said. (laughs) But actually, it turns out... Where am I? I didn't get killed. Oh my God, why do I sound like that? I woke up in the killer's body.
1: So apologies for the commotion. They're doing a little bit of work in my apartment. New year, new apartment. Well, not really. They just need to fix some things. <laughs> anyway, so I am very excited to talk about this film because I really enjoyed it. Freaky. It stars Vince Vaughn, first of all, and we mentioned that he was in The Binge. And he has an important character there, but it's not as big as this character, I didn't realize how important he was in this film. It also stars an up-and-comer, someone who a lot of people are talking about, Catherine Newton. She's from Big Little Lies. She's from this Netflix uh, program called The Society. I think she was on Supernatural. I just read that she's going to play Cassie in the Ant-Man movies, and apparently she's going to be a superhero down the road in the MCU. That's a big deal to get MCU stuff, so I was very curious to see her here. I liked her, and this director, you might recognize him, Christopher Landon. So he did Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day 2. Joey Lundowski The Godfather, always talks about these films, says they're some of his favorite films. I know Mike Manzi likes them as well. They're very popular here. Talk to Joey, though. He wasn't the biggest fan of this movie. He thinks his hopes might have been too up. I don't know. I had zero expectations. I didn't even know it was that director. I didn't really know what a Blumhouse movie was. So it didn't really matter to me. And it's called Freaky because... Up our wheelhouse it essentially is another adaptation of freaky friday but instead of a mom and daughter switching it's a girl and a killer switching vince vaughn being the killer Catherine newton being the girl and i just loved the premise i thought it was so cool one thing i'll say it's currently 1999 on vod a far cry from that 299 of the previous film I think it's worth it because it goes to the production company and the filmmakers, and hopefully we can make more. The movie made money, $14 million off a $6 million budget. Not a lot of movies could say that this year, so maybe that's where the price comes from. I know it's really new. I think it just really came out. Maybe that's why. Regardless, just off that premise alone, oh, my God. I, I loved it. I was so into this movie. One of my picks for this year for you to watch. Again, maybe it's not for everyone. I know everyone's not into horror comedies, but... Uh, Katie Finnerin, she was great. Millie's friends were amazing. Celeste O'Connor and Misha Oshervich. And we get a teacher played by Cameron Fry himself, Alan Ruck. What could be bad about that? So if you're into these kind of movies, I think you'll really, really like it. Um, apparently, it's also inspired by Scream and a film called Cherry Falls that I think we've briefly mentioned on this podcast. Definitely, definitely check this out if you can, if you're into this. 83% critics by Rotten Tomatoes. 80% audience. I think it's a little bit better than that. And I mentioned quickly that this is a Blumhouse film. Joey told me all about this. I had to ask him because I've been seeing the name. I wasn't too familiar with it. Don't make fun of me. I'm not a horror guy. So I asked him, and he said, basically, this producer, Jason Blum... He's very successful. He's produced a lot of horror films. And he likes to produce lower-budget horror films, but a bunch of them, and kind of see what sticks. Films like The Purge, Paranormal Activity, Get Out, Us, The Invisible Man. But today we're going to talk about three Blumhouse films. Well, we already talked about Freaky, so two more. The next one was for a series on Amazon called Welcome to the Blumhouse. And it's called Nocturne.
0: We heard your news. <laughs> Juilliard, and congrats, that's incredible. You're thinking of my sister B. She's going to Juilliard next year. What makes Vivian the star? Jules always be there for you. And you, whatever you are. What if I could be more? What if I could be great? All I need is a chance to prove myself. Moira Wilson was one of the finest musicians ever to grace this academy. We have decided to rerun the senior concerto competition in her memory. I stole Moira's theory book. She carved symbols all over the wall and threw herself out of third floor window. She was brilliant. The competition is a big opportunity. I have to beat her.
1: So Nocturne is about two fraternal twin sisters who both go to this kind of private music high school. One of them is definitely an overachiever. She's gotten into Juilliard, and the other one isn't quite hitting her mark. The film opens up, though, with a uh, student committing suicide. The lead here, the student in question who we really follow, one of the twins, she ends up picking up the girl's notebook, and yeah, things get creepy. Things get... Sc- crazy it's like that old uh, deal with the devil sort of thing that's happening so honestly i thought this movie was visually pretty cool i didn't think it was that bad it kind of got shit on online a lot i'm not 100 sure why i thought it was good it wasn't great it wasn't my favorites of 2020 if you're into kind of anthology horror this is probably a fun cool film i love the music elements as well i thought it was acted really well so the director is zoo quirke Thought they did a pretty good job. Sydney Sweeney plays the lead, Julia, and her sister is played by Madison Eisman. Thought they both did well. Oh, Julie Benz is in it. haven't seen her in a while. So I again, I, I thought it was a pretty decent film. The audience did not agree. They did not like the music and the way things looked for whatever reason. 32% by the audience in Rotten Tomatoes. 60% by the critics. I think I'm a little bit above the critical score. I think this would be like... The 70s for me, 2.8 on Letterboxd. That checks out. So check out Nocturne. It was part of a series It was the only one I watched from the series I mentioned on Amazon. The other Blumhouse film I did watch, though, was one that I was kind of avoiding and looking forward to at the same time. I don't really like sequels. I don't really like reboots. This one was VOD, but the price wasn't that bad. I'm talking about a reboot or sequel or whatever you want to call it of one of the most beloved teen classics of my generation, The Craft. The film was The Craft Legacy. Light as a feather, stiff as a board.
0: Light as a feather, stiff as a board. Light as a feather, stiff as a board. Okay. All right, let's do this. I know it feels fast, but it's nice, isn't it? To have a family unit? Come on in to meet the boys. They're really excited to meet you. How you feeling about school? You can meet some new friends.
1: I know why the cage bird sings. Wow. That is super nasty. All right, enough. Settle down.
0: Hey. It happens to everyone. He's made us all cry at one point or another. you should come over after school. What is all this? This is a ceremony to celebrate you. Why would you celebrate me? Because you're out fourth. Just in time for first period. Half the battle of having powers is believing you
1: do. So, The Craft Legacy. I know this movie got shit on. I don't think it was as bad as people said, but it did have some knocks on it for sure. Look, when you call yourself The Craft Legacy... You're asking for people to compare you to the original, which is, again, so beloved. So I get that not everyone's going to like it. I think if this movie came out and the craft never existed, people would think that this movie was a lot better than it was. But of course it's derivative. It's essentially more or less a similar story. There's some definite differences, that's for sure. But, you know, girl moves into a new town. She finds her coven. They discover some more witchcraft together. Hijinks ensue. Oh, by the way, this is definitely a more woke version, which is not a bad thing. I, I like the effects in this one. I thought the magic was really, really cool. David Duchovny's in it, which is weird. That's another story. What I thought it lacked, it lacked the bite of the original film. It lacked a little bit of the evil and the fright of the original film. These were just goody-goody witches having fun, which is all dandy and great, but I don't think that's what the original film was necessarily about. I have to say there's a... Twist at the end, which I really enjoyed. I think it may lead to some other films. The film didn't do so well, so maybe not, but if it did, that would be pretty cool. I wouldn't be against this cast, even the director and these characters working together again. I just think they needed a stronger script. This was like watching the same origin story again, except that when it was original, it was a little bit better. But as far as the cast goes, I actually thought the cast did a really great job. I know I keep saying that, but we have a lot of talented young actors in this generation. That's all I can say, right? So Kaylee Spaney played the lead. Gideon Alden played Frankie. And we, of course, had seen her in Blockers, which she was great there. She was great here, honestly. Lovey Simone played Tabby. And Zoe Luna played Lourdes. I thought they all were really good. I liked this coven, actually. I think they were just as good as the original coven we got, to be honest with you. The third act of this film was just a little bit weird. I don't know. I wanted them to go in a different direction. Something felt off about this, but it wasn't, again, as bad as people said. We'll put it that way. 48% by the critics on Rotten Tomatoes, 30% by the audience. Yuck. I want to forgive all its flaws because people are just comparing it to the original, and maybe that's not fair, but if you call yourself The Craft Legacy, you're going to get comparisons. By the way, I don't know if I mentioned that the director is Zoe Lister-Jones. Honestly, I thought she did a great job, and I thought the effects and a lot of the stuff in here were really, really good, and it was fun to be in that world again. But yeah, I don't know if this film satisfies fans of the original film, and that's always going to be a problem. We'll leave it at that. Speaking of remakes, reboots, fans of the original films, this next film is in the same boat, and I'm actually excited to talk about it for a couple reasons. It's Valley Girl, not the Valley Girl we covered this year, but the 2020 jukebox musical version of Valley Girl.
0: Hey, come on, just tell me what happened tonight. Zach and I broke up. Oh my God, sweetie, I'm so sorry. No, don't, so don't, sweet. don't do any of that. We just have no idea what I'm going through. You'd be surprised when I'll tell you a story. See the people walking down the street. They don't know where they want to go, but they're walking inside. Stop. You were singing and dancing on a fountain. That's How I remember it Go go music really makes a dance you Where should we go now? We go over the hill to
1: Hollywood Woo-hoo!
0: We got the beat They got the beat Kids got the beat Yeah, stick got the beat Want to get out of here? Where would you want to go? Anywhere. What would you want to do? Anything. (gasps) These bad news. We don't (laughs) date guys like that. Maybe that's good for a change.
1: So, obviously, we have a lot of history with Valley Girl on this podcast. We had a two-part Valley Girl episode with Mike Manson and Kate Hudson. And if you recall, on that episode, Kate Hudson did not like the reboot to Valley Girl that came out in 2020. She loves the 1983 version. We all love the 1983 version. So I don't know. I was not excited to see this. I was not hyped to see this. I thought it was going to be trash because that's what she said. I'm not going to say I liked it or it was one of my favorite movies of the year. But it definitely was not trash. This was a fun movie. It was just a fun, cute movie. It's definitely more for younger people. It doesn't have Nicolas Cage or anything like that. But it's fun. It has poppy songs of the day. If you just want to sing and have a good time. If you want like the sanitized, clean, cute version of Valley Girl, this is it. I liked some of the songs. Some of the other songs I didn't care for. And by the way, not to call out High School Movie News, but we had two directors who did two films we covered. The director of this, Rachel Lee Goldenberg, also directed Unpregnant. I thought she did a great job there. And honestly, I think she did a great job here. Here is the rub. Here is the deal. Here is the problem with Valley Girl. There are weird things happening here. You know I love Alicia Silverstone. Anyone who likes this podcast probably loves Alicia Silverstone. She plays the mom here. And by the way, she's still great. Great voice. And she's, like, recounting her story of Valley Girl and, like, what happened. And it's about her. And she's telling her daughter in 2020. Hello, do the math. As if, I should say. She'd be seven years old. She was way too young to play the mom and have her go back to 1983. It didn't make any sense in that respect. I'm not going to complain about seeing Alicia Silverstone, trust me. And I thought she did great. But that was weird. Um, So the other people in this movie are... Jessica Roth or Roth, 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 R-O-T-H-E. I know her from a bunch of stuff, but she is in La La Land, a Joey Lewandowski favorite. She is in Happy Death Day, a Joey Lewandowski favorite. Hmm. So I'm guessing she's one of Joey Lewandowski's favorites. We'll just put it that way. He was actually the first one to tell me that the film was not that bad. So I guess that's why he watched it. Regardless, she's actually great in it. Josh Whitehouse is plays Randy, he's pretty good, he's no Nick Cage, and Mae Whitman is in this film, and I love, love Mae Whitman, she's really one of my favorites, however, however, she is my age, just about, I think she's a little bit younger, she's 32, and she's playing a high schooler, and if she's not a high schooler, we don't actually see her in school, because she's one of the punk kids, but if she's not a high schooler, then she's like making out and creeping on high schoolers, so it's still weird. I don't know what's going on there. Again, I think she does a great job. I'm not going to say she doesn't do a great job. She's awesome, but a little creepy. Casting, confusing here. Judy Greer's in the film. Logan Paul, who's not the other Paul brother who beat up Nate Robinson. He's the Paul brother who wants to fight Floyd Mayweather. It's a whole thing. I don't get it. Look, you had cameos from EG Daily, Heidi Holliker, Deborah Foreman even. Eric Garcetti is, has a cameo, and he's the mayor of L.A. That one was weird. Whatever, I don't get it. But overall, this is a fun film. It's a peppy film. It's not a bad film. It's not a terrible film, as Kate Hudson says. Will fans of the original like it? I honestly don't think so. However, I'm going to use the word again, however, I think young people would really like this film. And it kind of shows in Rotten Tomatoes. Only 56% by the critics. I get it. Like, it's 2.6 from Letterboxd. That checks out to me. 85% by the audience, though. This is another film that they expected, I think, big things for in the theater. But then COVID happened. I think it was supposed to come out in May. And it kind of ruined everything. So they just salvaged what they could on VOD. I don't know. Again, I didn't think it was that bad. I know it's not for everyone. It certainly wasn't for Kate Hudson. I don't think Mike Manzi probably likes it. But who the hell knows, or who the hell cares. This is a movie for Gen Z, and it's a little introduction to the music and the fashion and the look of the 80s, so why not? It's harmless to me. That's all I could really say about Valley Girl. And guess what? Some of the songs stuck in my head. There I said it. I admit it. And it kind of reminded me of another film, one that we actually covered this year with Jenny O'Connell. It was The Prom.
0: Hello, Interweb. My name is Emma Nolan, and I'm 17. You might have heard about the prom in Indiana. I just want to go to prom like any other kid. All opposed. I know we all have stories to tell, and here's mine. Oh my gosh, check this out. It's all over Twitter. She wanted to take her girlfriend to the high school prom. And the PTA went apeshit and they canceled
1: it. We have got to go down there. Yes. Raise holy hell. We will be the biggest thing to happen in Indiana since whatever's happened in Indiana.
0: We have come to this community on behalf of a young girl. I just want to dance with you. I'm sorry. Who are you people?
1: We are from Broadway. So look, did some of the songs from the prom get stuck in my head? Yes. Yes, they did. Were some catchy? Were some fun? Sure. Still, oh boy, the prom. So, let's just get started with the Rotten Tomatoes aspect of this. 57% by the critics, 67% by the audience. So, you know, I would say fair grades. I'm going to be honest with you, I would say fair grades. There's a Ryan Murphy film in all its guts and glory. I mean, not actual guts, like not American Horror Story guts, but I mean, Ryan Murphy singing kind of over-the-topness, kind of sometimes, I'll be honest with you, a little tone-deafness. The premise is good, right? A girl in Indiana, she wants to go to the prom, but she's gay and she wants to go with her partner, and they cancel the entire prom because of it. So some vain and asshole in Broadway actors decide to do some good for once in their life, get on a bus, go to the prom, well, not the prom, go to the town where the prom's being taken place in middle America, in Indiana, Put the prom on some way, somehow. And, yeah, I love that. I love all the aspects of it. The actors at large are good. Meryl Streep, you can't criticize Meryl Streep. Nicole Kidman, Kerry Washington, Keegan-Michael Key, who was also in All the Bright Places. He's in the prom as well. Joe Ellen Pellman, great debut. Look, a lot of great people. But if you listen to the episode you know everyone's criticism not just jenny o'connell because jenny went on a half an hour tirade about this so we get her opinion but almost everyone agrees james corden was terribly miscast he wasn't great in the film it was kind of a weird casting kind of an inappropriate casting does he ruin the entire film no but he definitely like knocks it down a bunch of points and again it wasn't perfect i did like the zaz song I did like a lot of the music. It's a musical, but I feel like this would have been better on Broadway than on the screen. Again, I, I think the uh, Rotten Tomatoes scores are right where they should be. Check out The Prom if you like musicals and you like this kind of stuff. If not, skip it. It's not going to make or break your year. I'm just going to be honest with you. If anything, once again, I'll say it for the billionth, billionth time. Watch it for the acting performances, specifically that of Andrew Reynolds, who is so good at in this film he's really good in the prom i can't defend james Corden. i can defend andrew rannells on the rest of the cast in the prom another movie that netflix made produced distributed i don't know what they did but it was on netflix was called work it
0: Beyonce, queen bay i pray that you make my feet swift tomorrow and that you make my moves have swagger in the name of the single ladies video and the lemonade short film i pray Five, six, seven, eight. Senior year, I needed to join the dance team because the more extracurricular activities you do, the higher your chances are of getting into a top-tier college. Look right high. Oh, isn't that the school with the dance team? I keep it lit. Squirrelfriend. are you for real? Jazz, I need you to help me get on the dance team. You don't dance at all. The work at competition is in five months. I don't need you stanking up the place. Fine. I'll start my own damn team then. There it is. Say what? The Thunderbirds have the best dancers in the school, so we need to find the diamonds in the rough. This guy is supposed to be the best flipper in town. That guy's like 50. Not him. The one that looks like Conan O'Brien. You're kidding. The guy can flip. <laughs> We need a choreographer. This guy, Jake Taylor, captain of the winning team three years in a row. We'd love to have you choreograph. What do you think? I think you can dance. Why do we look like a bunch of dental hygienists? What? I borrowed them from the nursing home. We look like we're about to go run a blood drive.
1: So full disclosure, when I saw Work It on this list and read what it was about, I expected to hate this film. It just looked like dumb and silly and stupid and just not for me. However, once again, I have to say, my expectations were pleasantly... Can you say your expectations are surprised? My expectations change? Whatever. I ended up liking the film. Was it my favorite film? No. Was it one of the best films of 2020? No. But this was good, clean fun. It reminded me almost like of a modern Bring It On. So Work It is about Quinn Ackerman, a girl in high school who is supposed to get into Duke or needs to get into Duke because her late father, dead father again, her late father went to Duke and, I don't know, it's part of his legacy. Duke is a very good school, obviously. She meets with an admissions officer who's basically like, blah, 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 you have all the same things as all the kids here, what are your extracurriculars? And that school is famous for dance and she says she's on the dance team and when she goes back to school, she pretty much, to get into Duke, has to be on the dance team. She's not allowed on the dance team, so she starts her own dance team with her friends and some random people and hijinks and sue once again. Honestly, generic plot, but I sound like a broken record today. It's the actors who really, really make this film great. It's the actors once again. Sabrina Carpenter, who we saw in Clouds in a totally, totally, totally different role. She's great. I think she's a rising star. I kind of knew her from that show, uh, Girl Meets World, the Boy Meets World reboot, but she was way young there. Also stars Liza Kashi. She's great. Kanan Lonsdale. He was great. And Jordan Fisher, who we'll later talk about, probably next, hint, hint, in to All the Boys, P.S. I Still Love You. Again, broken record, but the cast was great. This was just fun. I loved the dancing. I loved the movement. If you like films like Bring It On, check this one out. It was directed by Laura Teruso. It got 85 by the critics in Rotten Tomatoes, 62% by the audience. And I get that again, because it's not for everyone. But is it a bad film? No, it's actually a fun film. It's a harmless film. If you want a 2020 high school film that's not going to bum you out, check out Work It. So I just teased it because of the actor who plays John Ambrose. To all the boys, P.S. I still love you was another netflix film we talked about this year
0: so who's this guy you're dating his name is peter and he and lara jean would be together for for meet. because he didn't even know she existed but i made out a secret love letter she wrote for him
1: did i talk to you
0: technically she wrote five anyway he started fake dating to make his ex-girlfriend jealous she went nuts and cover up lara jean's real crush then everything got all weird and they started real dating on their totally real girlfriend and real boyfriend and they are adorable that's cool actually
1: Hey. Hi. Say it out loud with me. 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock, like always. Have fun.
0: Not too much fun. I think this is from the real soccer team. <laughs> Sometimes I wish my boyfriend was more anonymous. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. Nope. That's your crown. Oh, no, no. This is all you, boo-boo. I don't this it. This is all you. I don't you. want it, though. That's for you. John Ambrose McLaren. Oh my God. Dear Laura Jean,
1: I couldn't believe when I opened that letter and it was from you. It's been what, five years? Hi. So, To All the Boys, P.S. I Still Love You was the highly anticipated sequel to the highly acclaimed, at least in these circles, To All the Boys I Loved Before. To All the Boys I Love Before, really, in my mind, was one of the films that changed Netflix and changed streaming. It kind of jump-started, along with The Kissing Booth, this whole, you know, this whole movement to adapt YA things for streaming. We saw so much of that this year. I'm totally fine with it. I'm cool with it. And, I don't know, To All the Boys, the first one was great. This one was a bit of a mixed bag. There were a lot of things I liked, but it just didn't have the same heart as the original. And I think my guest at the time, Jenna Guillaume, because we did cover this this year, but I think her and I kind of both came to this conclusion that there aren't a lot of teen sequels. So this was a serviceable sequel. This was a good sequel for a teen film. But it's hard to do a teen sequel because. Well, frankly, most of them end with happy ever after. So if it's not happily ever after, what's going on? So in this one, the director was replaced. I don't know what happened to the original director. I thought she did a great job, but of course a man replaced her. (laughs) Michael Fig Omnari was the director. Lana Condor was back. Noah Centennial was back as Whoa, 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 Peter Kavinsky, though we did not get the Whoa, Whoa, Whoas, which was very, very, very disappointing. The Hot Dad was back. Holland Taylor made an appearance. I thought Holland Taylor was great. In the movie. I thought she was one of the bright spots. I think, again, it's a good movie. It's a fun movie. It just didn't match up. The big controversy that I heard a lot of people on the internet say that Jordan Fisher, who played John Ambrose, who was kind of the love interest if you will, or the competition. Laura Jean is still dating Peter Kovinsky in this, and it's just showing how their relationship is going. Laura Jean was always the shy girl. He was always the popular girl. And there's a lot of cute moments with them, but it's challenged by John Ambrose coming. Of course, she wrote five letters when she was young to boys she had a crush on. John Ambrose was one of them. He reemerges. He's hunky and nice and almost perfect. And at the end of the day, kind of predictable, but her existing romance with Peter Wawokovinsky, continues, and it's not really that challenge, poor John Ambrose, there was a big, big internet outcry for John Ambrose, there was team John Ambrose things everywhere, it's hard to say really, maybe that's why the movie isn't as revered as the original, I don't know, I think it's missing little something, but I thought it was still good, and I'm looking forward to the sequel whenever that comes out, remember this is a trilogy and this is just the middle movie, we might reassess how we think of the film when the third film comes out, who knows? But yeah, to all the boys, PS I still love you. 75% by Rotten Tomatoes, 40% by the audience. I'm more in line with that Rotten Tomatoes score to be honest with you. I think it was good, not great. Just not as great as the original. It's going to be compared to the original. But I thought again, it was still very, very fun, very good, and most importantly, it fit in the world and it was a it was a good companion piece. Just not as good as the original. Speaking of Netflix sequels, you know we had to talk about it. You know we had to go into it. And I do credit this film as probably the film, even more than To All the Boys, that really jump-started the whole, let's buy YA novels, make them into movies, put them on our streaming services, and have Brian review them. And that's (sighs) The Kissing Booth 2.
0: The Kissing Booth is open for business! Again! Sorry, I didn't realize I was going to be this nervous. I'm guessing you might have a few questions. Let me bring you up to speed. As soon as school ended, Noah and I spent the whole summer together. And then, exactly 27 days ago, my heart flew off to Harvard. I miss you, jerk. I miss you more. And here I am, first day of senior year. And here we go. Oh, my God, Ellen, how are you? So many beautiful girls at Harvard. Experienced girls. Sorry about you and Noah. We didn't break up, though. With different zip codes. Breakups are basically automatic. Automatic. (sighs) Sometimes I hate high school.
1: And sometimes I hate high school movies. <laughs> In all seriousness, The Kissing Booth 2 was better than the original Kissing Booth. That's not saying much. And remember, The Kissing Booth took the world by storm. Not just like because of this whole YA revolution thing, but it was actually really, really popular online with the young folk. We gave it a shot. We hated the original Kissing Booth. Shawnee Mead, who was on that original episode, she came back. Check that episode out on the archives, please, because we still have fun. But she came back to the slumber party to talk The Kissing Booth too, And look, we both came to the consensus. Is it better? Yes. Does it correct some of the sexist bullshit and crap from the last film? Yes. But it's still not good. Sorry, Beth Riekels. I'm sure your YA books are better, but yeah. Same director, Vince Marcello. Joey King returns, and I love Joey King, and I said on that episode, and I stand by it, Joey King is the next Julia Roberts. I have a lot of faith in her. I believe in her. Joel Courtney, Jacob Ellardy, not as big of a fan of, but they returned. It's good to have characters return, I guess. We had a similar thing happen, like, into All the Boys, where, like, a new person came along. His name was Taylor Zakar Perez as Marco Pena, so he was, like, the challenging boy, but Come on. We knew it was going to happen. This, again, suffers some of the similar things that To All the Boys, P.S. I Still Love You suffered from. It's the middle movie of a teen franchise. There's not a lot of teen sequels to set precedents. We get challenges thrown at us, but at the end of the day, we know that those challenges aren't really going to be challenges for our power couple. The difference is To All the Boys had a very good foundation with the first film. This film. Did not, as The Kissing Booth is a terrible film. I'm sorry it is. So The Kissing Booth 2, just a little bit better. Still not worth it to watch. Again, unless you're a big Kissing Booth fan. It's one of the most popular movies ever, right? Honestly, like it's crazy to say. But for a certain generation, it is. So it's one of the most popular franchises ever. I'm looking forward to the trilogy just to get it out of my life, essentially. But yeah. Yeah. I don't know what more to say about The Kissing Booth 2. If you want to watch it, sure, let me know. By the way, we're on social media. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Hit us up. Class participation is a huge part of your grade. If you're a kissing booth defender, come out of the woodwork. I hear all these people loving it. Not one person has defended it to me. So, there you go. The gauntlet is thrown. Consider it thrown. Now, we go from maybe my least favorite movie, along with American Pie Girl's Rule of 2020, to one of my favorites in my top 3. This one I had no knowledge about at all and then I ended up really really loving it. It's called Words on the Bathroom Walls.
0: And that's when we found out I have schizophrenia, a chronic mental disorder allowing for visual and auditory hallucinations. Never normal. The end some people just hear voices good morning but i see mine more awesome i'm looking to it. i had to switch schools where's a straitjacket freak my mom is on this quest for a cure but nothing works just give it time this looks like it could be nice i'm maya i'm adam I came over here to intimidate you but something tells me you're harmless. If you need anything, let me know. For the first time in forever, I felt normal. What's with the cookbooks? I'm sort of studying to be a chef. Sort of? Where are you? What? Don't look at me. Look at her. Do You have a problem with eye contact. Do you always say exactly what comes in your mind? Well, it's best to say exactly what you mean or nothing at all. Unrelenting honesty, you know?
1: So, Words on a Bathroom Wall. It's based on a novel by an author named Julia Walton. It wasn't a novel I was familiar with, but one I'm kind of curious about now. The director is Thor Freudenthal. He's a German director. I wasn't too familiar with him. And it stars Charlie Plummer, who we already talked about from Spontaneous, Taylor Russell as Maya Arnez, who is amazing, Andy Garcia, who I really, really, really love. I'm a big Andy Garcia guy. Godfather 3, hashtag third time to charm. Bunch of other people. Walton Goggins, who's great. Anna Sophia Robb, who's great. Look, this is a movie that I just really, really had zero expectations with that I ended up really enjoying. I don't have schizophrenia. I don't know anyone with schizophrenia. But if this is the best way you can show me the people out there who do not have schizophrenia, what schizophrenia is like. And I have no idea if it's realistic or not, but man, I was troubled by this movie. I was uplifted by this movie. It was sad. It was happy. It was a whole range of emotions. Super, super, super excited to recommend this one. So it's about, again, a a teenager who has schizophrenia. He kind of has a freak out or whatever it's called in his regular school his public school he's forced to go to a catholic school because that's pretty much the only school that'll accept him and he's trialing a new medication that tempers his schizophrenia so he not only hears voices There's like a black cloud that stops him from doing things. There's also characters in his life that he sees. Um, One is like a bodyguard for him, and he's like a big thug kind of guy. One is like a hippie, and she's really positive. There's one guy who's just like a slacker dude who hangs around him. And I know it's not meant to be funny, but they are funny characters, and they are fun characters, but they're also scary at the same time. Because there are like a million voices telling him what to do and what not to do. But the medication makes him feel better. And he especially feels motivated when he meets uh, Maya, a girl at school. And she's great. She's a well-developed character. And and I love their romance. And it's... Again, I don't want to reveal too much about the movie. But it's one of these movies you watch and you're like, wow. That was a pretty cool movie. I get it. It's not for everyone. Like a lot of these films... But I was so surprised at how good it was. It's definitely in my top three. I don't really like to do rankings, but it's definitely in my top three. So the critics gave it 89%. The audience gave it 94%. Both great scores. I think this one is one that went under the radar. It was VOD, but the price wasn't terribly expensive. I definitely recommend you check out Words on the Bathroom Walls. And let me know what you think, because, look, it made me cry. I was hooked from the moment I watched this movie. One weird thing I wanted to note, it features a 2020 graduation, an in-person 2020 graduation, which really didn't happen a lot in the United States, so that's an interesting little time capsule. But yeah, can't recommend Words on the Bathroom Wall enough. So the next movie we're going to talk about is a movie that I think there was high expectations for, and then it got delayed for years, not just because of COVID, it got delayed for a bunch of reasons, and that's The New Mutants.
0: What's the last thing you remember, Danny? He said we had to run. The reason you survived is because you're a very uncommon girl. You're not alone. Not anymore. Do you know what mutants are? Would anyone like to share their first time? Rain? I was 13. I thought it was a dream. I just lost control. Sam? I started panicking. People got hurt. Roberto? My girlfriend had burned her. Iliana, I killed 18 men. One by one. it's a cage it's important we find out your, your power. power so we can help you get better
1: so the new mutants is about a group of teens who are kind of sequestered in this complex prison thing slash whatever it's a far cry from professor xavier's academy for the gifted whatever mutants whatever it's called you know the main x-men school is this in the x-men world yes they mentioned the x-men but this is definitely a different part of the x-men the new mutants is a very popular comic series and graphic novel and i know they're working on this movie for years apparently it was supposed to come out like two or three years ago and there were delays and reshoots and that never spells good for a movie sometimes it helps but often it gives people a bad taste in their mouth and they just like don't give it a chance the New Mutants is a funny movie, too, for 2020. I don't mean funny in a comedy way. I mean funny because of, like, the history of it. So it was supposed to come out in the theater. They have all these delays, and bam, COVID. They can't release in the theater. they got to release this movie, though. They've had it on the shelf for, like, three years or whatever, tweaking it. I don't know. So they released the movie, and it does terrible. Not only do the critics hate it, the people hate it, and it loses all this money. But something funny has been happening over the last couple of weeks since it came out. It has been number 1 or in the top 5 or 10 VOD rentals the entire year since it debuted. So more and more people are watching it and I read in some dark corners of the internet that it actually might make up its budget and might actually end up making money. What they did was remember I mentioned that one of the movies Spontaneous Spontaneous had 19.99 as its price point. I think they lowered this one to 6.99. for a new movie, a superhero movie, is pretty damn good. Now I know Wonder Woman is free, quote-unquote, on HBO Max, but it's only for 30 days and you got to get the HBO Max subscription. If you're alone and you're bored, which a lot of people are during quarantine, and you just want to spend $7 on a new movie, that's not that bad. And I'll tell you what about The New Mutants. Is it great? It's not great, but it's not as bad as people say. Honestly, I actually enjoyed it. I liked the characters a lot. I like where this is going. I hope there's a sequel. I like when we branch off into different worlds. I like seeing teenagers as the main people in the story. So it starred Blue Hunt as Mirage or Danny Moonstar. Maisie Williams, The Game of Thrones, as Rain Sinclair or Wolf Bane. Funny enough, she turns into a wolf, kind of like Game of Thrones. How stark. Anya Taylor-Joy as magic who's apparently she has a sword i think she's yeah she's the sister of colossus she also has a purple dragon named lockheed that's from the comics she was really really good in this sam guthrie is cannonball he's played by an actor named charlie heaton henry zaga played sunspot Alice Braga played Dr. Cecilia Reyes, and it's a really insulated movie that, like, 99% of it takes place at this compound, but I love their interactions. It has a really, really cool LGBTQ storyline, which is nice to see, and Josh Boone, if you don't know the voice, he actually directed The Fault in Our Stars, so why a revolution, hello? It makes a lot of sense that he would direct this kind of film, it's different, and honestly, it plays more like a horror film, I guess that's why a lot of people didn't like it, but don't sleep on the New Mutants, trust me, with the uh, with the late surge in the VOD box office, expect it to rise a little bit, not just in the critical rating, well, maybe not the critical rating, I don't know if that changes, that was only 34%, which is terrible, but 56% by the audience, Have I seen worse superhero movies? Yes, even in the MCU. It's a completely serviceable superhero movie. They weren't really superheroes, again. They didn't save anything but themselves, really, spoiler alert. However, I don't know. I love the effects. I love these new characters. I like to see where the story continues. Maybe i got to read the graphic novel. Maybe that's what's for me. But it's definitely more than that 34%. Again, was it the best one in the world? No. But I still give my endorsement to the New Mutants. Guess what, guys? Guess what? We only have one more movie to talk about. We're done, actually, with narrative movies because the next one's a documentary. And it was on Apple TV, the first time I'd ever watched Apple TV, to be honest with you. And the movie was Boys State.
0: I will skip the part where I brag for three minutes about how great and cool I am, seeing as we are all qualified young men of skill and character. People like that stuff. People like that stuff a lot. Some people say they're a sports junkie. I say I'm a politics junkie. The harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. I'm playing this like a game. I would like very much to win. I love it, boys. I love it. Where are you from?
1: I come from a very modest family. I'm on the course to be the first one to graduate from high school. I'm a progressive person, and I'm in a room full of mostly conservative people. Our masculinity shall not be infringed. I've never seen so many
0: white people ever i feel like everybody has a secret underlying need for bipartisanship a message of unity as good as it sounds is not winning anyone any elections primary polls are now open get yourselves ready for a turbulent election
1: oh boy so i don't always cover documentaries. I only cover special ones, but a lot of people have told me, watch Boy State, watch Boy State. So I went to school for government and politics. I'm a little bit of a political junkie. Not in the sense that some people you think. I love the minutiae of politics. I love reading about it. I love the statistics. I love polls. I love stuff like that. I don't love getting political with people, to be honest with you. There's a difference. Regardless, Boy State is about, it's a documentary about a group of kids get together and i don't mean like in a kind of goonies way let me backtrack a little the american legion hosts boy states and girl states every year where they get uh hundreds upon thousands of participants i guess depends on the state together high school kids and you elect your own government in a three-day weekend essentially so a lot of people and the documentary shows like cory booker and presidents and uh Dick Cheney and uh, Supreme Court justices had done this as a kid. It's a great exercise. You could win scholarships from it. Texas, as you probably know, even if you're not from the U.S., you probably know, very conservative state. So they decided to focus on Texas, and it is funny seeing all this testosterone from teenage boys matched up with uh, kids with some different ideas. There are some kids I really, really hated in this film, and to be honest with you, I felt bad about it. Then I realized it was filmed in 2018, and they're adults now, so I can hate them. And there are some kids I really, really liked, and I'm like, wow... This country has a positive future overall. You see, the political process in the United States, for all its warts, for all its ugliness, this is an incubator for the future leaders of America. And I don't mean that necessarily in a good way. But this documentary was great. It left me with such a positive feeling overall, and negative feelings. But it was—I was, ah, sorry, I'm getting tongue-tied just talking about it. But I was on the edge of my seat the entire time apple tv i'm not an apple fan but apple tv you're winning me over if you're going to keep making documentaries like this jesse moss was the director he did a great great job you know the scores were high i think i already mentioned them or sorry high school movie news brian rodriguez I already mentioned them early on 94 by the critics 92 percent by the audience A four out of five stars on letterbox it's not easy to do with these nerds especially with these polarizing political films I don't know if it's polarizing, to be honest with you, but, you know, it could be. Politics is a polarizing subject. Like, wow. Wow. I mean, bravo. And, by the way, it looked amazing. So the picture was very quality. I highly recommend Boy State if you're into politics. No matter what side of the aisle you're on, it is really, really, really fun, funny, scary, sad, every emotion. Boy State, check it out. And, yeah, I guess we're going to do it. I guess we're going to end this podcast on a documentary so i really hope you enjoyed our recap of 2020 it was a lot of work but at the end of the day i was watching movies that's always fun and i get to talk movies with you guys as slumberers thank you so much once again for listening for being there for me for making 2020 such a memorable year despite all the crap surrounding us and i just want to implore you to check out some of these films from 2020 you and i and everyone listening We're all film junkies. We wouldn't be listening to these podcasts if we weren't film junkies. Let's give back to the artists and filmmakers who have given us so much. We're podcasters. We consume, we consume, we consume. We're podcast listeners. We consume people consuming. You know, that's what it is. But sometimes I get bogged down in the fact that people only want nostalgia. And trust me, I lead the parade on nostalgia. I love nostalgia. I do this podcast. I started this podcast because of the old teen films I loved. But one of the best parts of this podcast has been my discovery of new modern teen films honestly they're good and what the breakfast club and 16 candles means for a certain generation what 10 things i hate about you and clueless and bring it on means for a certain generation some of these films in 2020 will mean that for later generations but they should mean that for all generations i once again implore you to watch some of these movies let me know what you think on social media Really, give them a chance, because they make great movies today, they made great movies in the 80s, they made great movies in the 90s, they made great movies in the noughties, and every year in between, from now, until Rebel Without a Cause, until, I guess it's not until, back to Rebel Without a Cause, and, you know, as long as we keep making movies, there'll still be filmmakers who keep making good movies, fun movies, fun teen movies, being a teenager is super, super, super hard There'll always be art about that, and I'm so thankful for that. I'm grateful for that. So I ask you once again, check out some of these 2020 teen movies and let me know what you think. Let me know what your favorites are. Let me know where we agree. Let me know where we disagree. Just let me know on our social media, High School Slumber Party, everywhere. couple other things. I want to wish you a happy, safe, and healthy new year. Be safe. Don't go too crazy. Don't risk your health with whatever you do, honestly, and I mean COVID, alcohol, whatever. Be safe, be happy, be healthy. 2021 is going to be such a better year. I know it. I can feel it. I'm so excited for it. A reminder, once again, we're only going to be on Fridays in 2021, but guess what? Tomorrow's Friday. No homework for you guys, though. You've been great. It's just going to be a really, really fun Q&A with the queen of twilight, the most popular girl in school, Kate Hudson's here. We got some questions from the audience. We have some things we want to discuss. We have some recaps from our Twilight Forever series. And we'll talk about some expectations for next year's run through the Twilight films. Ah, Twilight. A little bit of nostalgia in there. A little bit of modernness in there. A lot of silliness in there. Can't wait to talk about it again. Once again, guys, thank you so much for listening. And remember, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. Let's go away. Let's end 2020 with a medley from the 2020 Valley Girl. Because why the F not? Later, dudes. she just,
0: like, dump Mickey's? Don't worry, Stacy's on it. Oh, my God, Jules. Are you okay? Hey, I am logo. amazing, guys. I think I'm really into oh that guy, really. He's, like, totally perpendicular. Um, we don't date guys he can, like, like that. We do know how to play tennis. No, but guys, it's just, like, Here we go. the way he makes me feel, it's, like... To the right! When I'm with you, baby, I go out of my head.